And I'm Karen Wright, and joining me now is my good friend Barb Lampson. And uh, Barb, what's the good news for the day? Hey, Karen, it's good to talk to you. And the good news is that the middle school kids are going back to the classroom. At least some of them are, and boy, isn't that a sign of things are getting better. Now, have you gotten your vaccination because you're over the, the of a certain age and wondering? I know a lot of folks have been, and so that's good news as, as well. No, I haven't, and I've been waiting, and uh, uh, our name was drawn for the lottery for Minneapolis, but um, we decided that we would wait until we could get it uh, locally, so we have not uh, been able to qualify at any of the sites, but we did get a a letter from the clinic just yesterday, and they said, uh, hopefully... They'll be getting enough vaccination, and we will be getting an appointment. So we're we're hanging in there. We're being careful. We're we're staying home, and when we go out, we're wearing our masks, and we are practicing social distancing, and uh, hand washing is just second nature here. You know. Well, I, do you know, Barb? They're saying now I, the report was to wear double mask, wear like a surgical one, and then another one, and that's even better. So I've been wearing. My double mask now. And you know what? The one thing you look for silver linings is the fact that it keeps my face warm, especially when I go outside. I'm like, ooh, this is kind of nice. It's like having a, a, a hug on your face. <laughs> hey, you know, Karen, I, I absolutely. And, you know, as a kid, my mom used to always tie a scarf around our our, our neck and pull yes. it up on your face and up on, up on your mouth and up on your nose, you know, to keep you warm. And she'd say it's not good to breathe the cold air. Right. Well, if you have asthma, it's really not good. Right. And <clears throat> here's the problem with a mask for us with asthma: it restricts our breathing, and so we have more t- we have more difficulty breathing when we uh, breathing when we wear the mask. But uh, when I dash from someplace from a car to a building, I do put it on, and uh, for short distances, it works out just fine. Right. So, that that really is good news. Hey, you know what? I was taking a look back. I've been I've been cleaning out diaries and oh paper, <laughs> and and you know how that is. And then you start reading again, and you don't get all the stuff done. I always do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you don't. And by the time you spend a couple hours at it, you just have maybe a, <laughs> just a few papers you're going to recycle. And that's oh yes. It. But I was reading my diary from 2015, and do you know that in 2015, on March 28th, and that's not far away, we had our first cutting of asparagus. What? Really? It seems hard to believe with how cold it is right now. Yes, but you know, we have those warming trends, and that happens. And then it wasn't until April 21st that we mowed the lawn for the first time. Oh my. The grass was cut. So, you know, when you when you look back, it's it's encouraging. This 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 too shall pass and we will have asparagus again and we will be gardening again. Well, you know, and, spring officially begins in just thirty six days, so I guess if you count it down that doesn't sound quite so bad. No, no, it certainly doesn't. Hey, you know, my daughter in Georgia and my son in Alaska, um told me about a plant that they're including in their garden this year, and I just thought maybe I'd mention it on the air. I don't know how many people have heard about this plant. The common name is the Japanese orchid lily, and oh. there's another common name, and it's called the toad lily. And Yes, now I've heard of toad lily, and I've heard people cause they talk about those, because don't they like shade? They do, and, and 
the Latin name, the genus is, um, and I'm going to, I'll spell it for you first, T-R-I-C-Y-R-T-I-S. And uh, I thought maybe that would be pronounced uh, tri um, citrus. That's what I would I would say, Cy, yeah, tri Certus, probably Tricertus, probably, or something like that. Yeah, yeah, with an E in there instead of that Y. Tricertus. And there is many, many different colors, and uh, but one thing they have in common is they like well-drained soil. They they like um, organic matter in the soil, and they like some shade, not bright sun. But you know, this is a this is one of those things you have to determine for yourself. Is this uh, are we giving them some shade, some shade, or not enough, or whatever? But uh, they are a zone four to zone eight, which mm. gives you a wide range. And aren't they and, a later bloomer too? So they bloom like in the fall. They are. They yeah. are. And and on the website that I was looking at, I looked them up. I all oh, the pictures are gorgeous. Orchids. If you if you're familiar with the, uh, the it's called the moth orchid. That's the smaller one that you'll see in the stores now. The the bloom is about that size. Just the one I like the best. It's it's called a blue, and it, it has it's it's a just a sky blue with uh, poke uh, with freckles. It's called freckles. Hmm. It's the freckle faced one, and I like that. And then they suggest things that you can grow them with. Um, I, they look really great with with the. Uh, uh, the Japanese fern, and I can understand that because that has the silver foliage. And then they suggest the um, the the grass, the the green, the variegated one that you have in your backyard. Is that Heikoni? Uh, uh, yeah, something Heikone. like that. It's it's got kind of really sh- beautiful chartreuse, lighter yep. g- lighter green, <clears throat> so it really stands out amongst the the deeper greens. And they said that any of these. Uh, put into a bed with that well they they really do well together they they have the same soil requirements the same water requirements and um and uh, same amount of sunlight now so, they like moisture though don't they because I've, I've i've even heard <clears throat> that they sometimes they find them along creek beds and at the edges of uh, some sure. of those you, things yeah yeah you would you know you wouldn't let them totally dry okay. out but uh, yeah, you you would have to be giving them some moisture. But if you have well um, <clears throat> drained soil and you have organic matter in there, you know the organic matter. The reason we put it in there is because it actually helps to hold the moisture for the plants. Not only does it drain, but it uh, it provides um, oxygen uh, to the plant so that they will drain. But it also those particles absorb moisture so it's there for and it's available for the plant so they would be great for like a woodland if you had a woodland garden it sounds like you know with your ferns and other things like that it might be just at a nice pop of color amongst the the greens and even hostas right i i agree karen i think that's really great and i don't know about rabbits and deer oh i just i just saw something here it says rabbits like to dine on the new growth but deer do not which is a major selling point and that's true so you know that's with any plant though a lot of times they'll they'll like to eat on those tender shoots especially the baby rabbits because they just don't know any better they want to try everything so sometimes you just have to cover them until they get a, a little head start sure well, you know, we're always looking for plants, uh, something new, something that goes in the shade, something that gives us color later on. And if you've tried to raise orchids and you haven't had good luck, 
maybe this is something you could you could do, and maybe you would want the first couple years that you have it, watch it more closely, and really mulch it well when it goes into the winter so that it doesn't freeze out. And hopefully if some of our listeners try that, they'll let us know how, how that goes. And um, I'm going to try it in my garden. I'm well, you know, see. a lot of times in the fall, a lot of things maybe are at the end of blooming, too. So the fact that this is September, October might be nice to have those those longer blooms because things like asters and or mums and things sure. like that are, are sure. blooming. So it sounds like a great thing to have in your shade to add a little bit more color during the fall. Because one of the things I like to think of is having that color all through the season. I mean, if you had all day lilies, you'd just get them in the middle of summer, for example. So right. that's right. why you it's that so important. Fresh color and then nothing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and of course, you know, even now we know that in the winter, if we get if one of our plants, our house plants, comes into bloom, I mean, you just doubt over it and you say, oh, <laughs> "So excited!" Oh, yeah, so that's so breathtaking. So my, you know, me and my amaryllis. So these amaryllis that I had brought to Georgia and then brought back from Georgia this uh, this winter in December because the bulbs had gotten so big and they were dormant, and I potted them up here. So the first bulb is now blooming, and it is really outstanding. It is uh, maroon, and I mean, you know, maroon, that's a uh, Deep, yeah, true color. color. And then the, the background is uh, a cream color, mm. and I have two spikes, and on the first spike that's opening up, I have three lovely blooms. So there I am, I'm just going, oh my goodness, this is, you know, this I should grow even more of these, and I only have thirty of them. So, <laughs> oh dear. Hey, where do you get your amaryllis? That's a question. Uh, there was on one of the plant Facebook sites I'm on. Someone said, "Where do you get really great amaryllis?" I know a lot of times you'll see them online for like thirty, forty bucks each. And I was just curious if you have a good source, or do you just keep growing your own? No, you know what? These are nothing more than those boxed ones that you find in the fall. That you find for Christmas, they're given for Thanksgiving for Christmas, and some of these I have bought after Christmas when they're on sale. So they're not really any fancy special variety. No, they certainly aren't. But I too have seen um, at uh, nurseries. I have seen bulbs that you buy them singularly, and they can be twenty-five or thirty dollars. True. And I would imagine that you get, you know, you get what you pay for. So, uh, but. For me, the smaller ones, I mean, these are just great. I, I love them. I love the color now, and uh, I'm really happy that they're so easy. I always have thought that you needed, to, when you brought them in, you needed to put them in fresh soil, put them in a pot, and put them in a cool place. They'll do just as well if you bring them in, take off all that soil, and then store them like you would any of your bulbs, bare root, and put them in a uh, a nice paper bag so they don't dry out and then check them every once in a while. They'll let you know when they're ready to start growing again. They shoot up a spike, and it's a flower spike that comes up. The The key to this is if you took care of them in the summertime and you fertilized them and you watered them, then they've stored up enough energy, and they're ready to do their thing for you. Well, now... Jeff has had a, an amaryllis, and he had two that he had for Christmas. And you know what? He um, didn't poke holes in the bottom, so basically watered them, and they, they were they were dying. He's like, I don't know why these are dying. I says, well, are there any holes in the bottom? And there weren't, and they need good drainage or they get root rot. And so basically <clears throat> yeah. I 
poked a bunch of holes and one of them that had already bloomed came up with another stock and bloomed again and I was amazing but there were there are no leaves for it it just had one that's right so that's do you have some I mean that just seemed odd because usually they have some some type yeah, of but leaves that's, but that's exactly what happens Carol. Oh. when they start when they've been resting and then they come back up again the, the spark the spike is what wants to come up first and then after that comes up and uh, it's growing, then the leaves come up. They get some energy and they come up. So at first the spike is using it all. So that's, that's extremely normal. And the other thing about um, an amaryllis bulb or any bulb or root that you store, you should take a look at the roots. There will be the bulb and then there's the root hairs coming down. And with the amaryllis, they're quite big. They're almost the size of of um, a pasta would be like a spaghetti noodle would be. And if there's any of those that are drying out or damaged, you cut those off. Don't leave that on with the rest of the roof. Get, get rid of that because that, when you plant it in soil, that'll just continue to decay and that'll be a problem. So trim them then, okay? But if they're healthy and they're white and they're solid, mm-hmm. just leave them on there. Then when you put them in your pot, be sure and spread them out so they have room uh, to grow. <clears throat> have uh, Now, I know a lot of people are getting excited about starting seeds. I know we've talked about it before, but I will <clears throat> emphasize again, it's still too early to start most of your seeds. I just yes. want to make sure people know that. As a matter of fact, I had a gardener who called me this week, and she said, you know, last year I actually started my seeds this time in February, oh. and they got tall and leggy, and I said, yep. Oh, yep. dear. You know, the lesson is uh, it, it just... The light isn't good enough. It's too long. They need to get into the garden when they're shorter and stockier. Right. And and so they can do that new growth out there. So just hold off, you know, do something else, but don't start tomatoes or peppers. And that was what she had started. So. Oh, one, on one of the sites that I'm on, with the, the growing uh, plant site, somebody was so proud showing the tomato they started. And it's about, oh, it's probably 12 inches tall right now, and, and it's in a you know, a little pot, and I thought, oh boy, you're, it, it looks great now, but, you know, it's still a while, it's still a long way before you can put that out, like, we're talking May or G- end of May and June, so, yeah, just yeah. too early. You know, what you can do now, and I would encourage this, I think this is really important, um, I would, I would check out, and um, if there's things that you need to do your gardening with, whether it's starting seeds or improving the soil in your garden, I would check out and, and buy those and have those on hand. Then you know you can, you can just, when the weather is right, the soil is 60 degrees, you know you can just take right off. You don't have to start uh, shopping around for, for sphagnum or for blood meal or bone meal or those kinds of things. You've got what you need. Well, you know, we've talked a little bit about them saying, you know, there's supposedly the seed shortage. And it's interesting. I was reading a site that was talking about, they're saying, oh, there's a seed shortage. Get your seeds down. We've been saying that, too. But um, a person who works at a, an actual seed place where they produce this sort of thing said it's not so much there's a seed shortage. It's a matter of we can't keep up, up with orders. And there have been some some catalog companies that have actually said we're going to stop orders for two weeks so we can catch up with all the orders we've been getting and also Uh the fact people aren't getting them because of the the service for mailing and and 
whether it's the UPS or which, yeah, whichever yeah. one. And so things are being delivered much more slowly because of, of issues with COVID and packing and things like that. So, um, you know, someone said, don't start a big panic. And I guess that's the problem. If we start this panic, then everybody's going to get together at once and we're going to have these issues of everybody trying to do it at sure, the same time. Sure. So, you know, just I guess just be reasonable and, you know, know what you want. If you do want something, like my husband says, just order it because... Right, right. Otherwise, sometimes they do run out of stock. So it was well, interesting that we've been promoting, you know, saying, oh, they're running out of seeds, whereas someone says not so much. It's just a matter of no. being able to fulfill that. And, and um, they are taking a look at uh, the, the sorting process for mail, and we're supposed to be getting better service again. Um, and I, I think that's true. I think that will happen. Now, you know, I ordered my seeds as soon as I got the seed gathered. I thought, okay. I know I want these, and uh, that's it. I'm going to order them. And, uh, and then I checked online and in a few days, and they said they're in the mail. Okay. And sure enough, they were, and I got them. I examined them. I looked at them. I thought, yep, this is exactly what I ordered. This is um, they didn't substitute or anything. And, and I put them in my box in the refrigerator where I store my seeds, and forgot about it. And that was a lot of peace of mind to get that yes. done. <laughs> now, my daughter, my granddaughter, Jamie, has bought her first home in uh, Cleveland, Ohio. Right. And the backyard is this, is, this is the kind of perfect backyard for me, a complete blank slate. You can do anything you want with it. You can plant trees. You can plant shrubs. You can plant a big garden. And she said, you know, Grandma, she said, if you would help me with that. And I said, if I would, of course I would. <laughs> of course you would. <laughs> so I have been making notes to myself, and the first thing I wrote was to, to buy up the things. There's, there's sod right now, um, and it doesn't look like the grass. I mean, it's, it's not something that's uh, what we would think of as turf grass. It looks like it's an assortment of just anything that grew out there, but it's been mowed. And there's this yard is 100 feet long with chain link all the way around it. So, of course, vertical gardening came to mind. So I have been making notes of things I'm going to need to do to start some things for her. And the first thing is going to be to get rid of that, um, that turf or that grass that's on it, whatever that cover is, and uh, clip the, get that off and then go down below that another eight inches to get the roots of, of anything else that's there, and then start improving that soil. It's going to take probably a lot of uh, compost from compost. my garden mm-hmm. and, uh, and sphagnum. Wait a and minute. Then, You're taking compost to her garden from Minnesota to Ohio? I'm thinking about it. Well, you? just remember, um, you know, I don't know if you have the jumping worm, but anytime you move something like uh, that, you've got to be really careful. So, I, yep. you know, that that's the thing with, like, moving <laughs> wood that could have the emerald ash borer. The, yep. the same thing they're saying with, with soils. You've got to be really careful because yep. a lot of well, times... I won't do that then. I, I don't know. Just something to think about, Barb. You know, it, you know, I've never tried to do that before. I am just so impressed with the, with the compost that I've got, and it's so good. But um, you're right. I mean, you're absolutely right. There's no doubt about it. I have to, but I have a long list of things that I need to buy for that. <laughs> yes. And then I thought about things that would do well on this uh, chain link, and I've got cucumbers. Oh. And I've got single-serve watermelon. She's always said she loves those single-serve single serve watermelon she buys in mm-hmm. the store because they're just right for her. The 
you know, otherwise you buy a big watermelon and part of it goes to waste. So <clears throat> I'm going to put those in for her and some miniature pumpkins and pole beans. How about and, some, this hosta la pasta? This is that new, uh, well, I don't know if it's brand new, but it's that spaghetti squash that would be great yes. for climbing up as well. I'm going to give you some seeds because remember I got a whole bunch. And, <clears throat> yeah, and, and that's, so. yeah, the spaghetti squash. And Jamie is a great cook. She loves to cook things. And she will cook on the weekend because she has a very busy schedule. You know, Mm -hmm. she's a prosecuting attorney, and and so she likes to make enough meals so that for throughout the week she doesn't have to cook again. So hasta la pasta would be great. That would be, you know, uh, that's easy to cook up. And if you've got the sauce made or different sauces made for that, you'd be all set. That would be great. So thank you, Karen. I appreciate that. Right, and and I've and there's a number of all-American selection single-serve watermelon that you might check out too. And I always look for the AAS, which is the all-American selections, because yeah. that's a great symbol that shows that it works for many, many different people all across the country, and that your chances of success are a lot better because it's it's gone through the the um, process of a lot of people having success, success with it. You know, and you know, I found just in looking at seed catalogs, it isn't any more expensive to get an all-American selection. Oh, no, not at all. And so why not get, yeah, the, the experience of all these other people growing these and, and and saying, yeah, this is the best, this is really good. So um, I'll be checking that out, too. And then I thought, you know, no garden is complete unless we think of the pollinators. And um, uh, first of all, I thought something tall would be sunflowers. That, oh, yeah. That would be so great for the birds. And then uh, to grow on the fence, morning glories. And, of course, butterfly weed, uh, there's so many different um, varieties of butterfly weed. That would be a good thing for her. And if you're and, getting something for her, because she's in Ohio and you want to get some native plants, you should order them from a place near her in Ohio versus someplace sure. in Minnesota. Because if they're grown in the area that you're going to be putting <clears throat> them in, they're, they're more adapted for the site. So just because it grows great here might not mean it grows there. So, you know, there's, I'm sure there's great places out in Ohio that have you could order yeah. online. You no, know, there are. And, and, you know, the thing of it is um, there's two things. There is, uh, and this is a flower, but there is the um, iris gardens, and Ooh. they are growing the old varieties as well as the new varieties, and they have their annual sale. Oh, nice. And there's also the Arboretum. And um, when she was um, in law school, the uh, the university uh, collaborated with uh, the Arboretum, and all their students were given free membership to go there. Wow. And they also have the butterfly gardens there and the butterfly house. And so, and they also have their plant sale. So, that's and and with both Patricia and both Chad, they have memberships in their arboretum, and when they have the annual sale, that's where they buy plants, and that is that's one of the places where they where they buy plants. Yeah, so that is really good if you're looking for something uh, uh, that you want to see the growth habit and get some information on how to grow it. You're absolutely right; it'll do so much better if it's grown in in the climate that it's going to stay in. You know. Say, Barb, you and I are both members of the Minnesota Hosta Society, and it's yes, a great organization. Just got my information there, and that this is where I love to get my hostas from because they have great varieties, and they also are very careful about so you don't get the virus X. They are actually going to be holding a sale, a hosta sale event, 
this uh, spring at this point it's going to be uh in june coming up it's at the smith coffee and cafe in eden prairie and yes. so i mean this is just a great place to get some great hostas and i know they're very very careful about making sure that people are socially distanced but it's <coughs> june 12th i know that sounds like a long way away but i always think of what am i going to need and maybe what will i look for and they're having their their meeting so if you want to join it i think it's like ten dollars for two years i mean talk about really it is. inexpensive it is. so the winter meeting is coming up via Zoom this Saturday, February 13th at 2 p.m. You can find it online. Go to Minnesota Hosta Society, and they're having a presentation by Rob Mortko. He's he's talking on hot new hostas for today and tomorrow, and, of course, he's a guy who's an expert in that. So I just thought, you know, if people are interested in hostas because they're such a great thing for shade, what a great way to learn more and, I mean, you can't yeah. go wrong with, with $5 a year for a membership. I mean, that's really nothing. Yeah. And then you can right. do things like this. So I don't know if you're going to join. I'm going to try and join. <laughs> but it's this Saturday, February 13th at 2 p.m. And uh, we'll have a chance to uh, ask questions and learn about some of the new hostels. Sure. You know, um, we got this notice here a few weeks ago. And David sent back our check immediately. Oh, and about your membership is out? Because yeah, mine is yeah. too. I got to I gotta do yeah. that too. <laughs> exactly. And, and you know... I just, um, I'll be happy when we're through this COVID thing so we can attend in person the meetings because I like to visit with the, with the different people and find out where they're from and what they're raising. Um, it's just uh, being part of a group like that. It's, uh, it's not just about plants. It's, it's, about, it's about people, too, and how they garden and why they garden. All of those things just interest me so very very much so you're absolutely right so um if, if don't forget that sale and the plants that they have the a lot of times you know the, the members of the society they are the ones that are there and and they will be helping you uh pick out the plants that you want providing information for you so how often can you go someplace and somebody can say oh yeah i know i know i grew that i've grown that for how many years and this is what I like about it and and it's very reassuring especially you know if you're a new gardener if you're just starting with something like that and you're not too sure about what you need to do you'll get some really good information that's free plus you're going to get this great plant and and they are not the prices are certainly um, reasonable reasonable yes you know i don't know if we're going to have you know we're members of the minnesota river valley master garden society i don't (laughs) know if we're going to be having our spring sale last year we didn't because of covid and i know that's something that's up in the air so i guess stay tuned for that yeah exactly and um it's it's something too that we like to do because we really like to give people an opportunity to raise plants that we know are successful if you can start gardening and you can get some inside information like that. You know, my grandmother was such an inspiration to me with what she was growing. And, of course, the, the big, two biggest things in her perennial flower garden were her uh, peonies and her iris. And that has stuck with me all my life. And then her annuals that she raised, bachelor buttons and zinnias. And she absolutely loved them. And I can remember going to her home when the zinnias were in bloom and she would have a big bouquet on her kitchen table. I mean, she absolutely loved them and so did the butterflies love those and the bees. So um, that's, you know, that's 
that's really nice when you can talk to people and tell them what's working really, really well. One day we will be able to do that again, I hope. We are out of time, though, Barb. It's always great talking to you on the phone, at least. And we'll be back again next week. And until then, uh, I hope you have happy dreams of gardening. And happy Valentine's Day to you and oh, thank to you. all of our listeners, Karen. All right. Bye-bye, Barb. Thanks. Bye-bye. That's right. It's Valentine's Day coming up. You know, flowers are good. Flowers are always good. Uh, It is two minutes past 10, and you're listening to a Minnesota Morning.